Hey there, Rantineers and fellow film lovers. It's your host, Brennan McGee here. If you like our show, you can support us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash therealrant. And in all honesty, whatever you find between those couch cushions helps us out greatly. All right, on to the new episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me, as always, is the illustrious sexy boy. Who are you, dude? Corey McMillan. <laughs> ah, yeah, boy. There you go. I might have blown out the mic there. I might have to fix that in the post, but uh, well, you know, I'm very excited about this episode. Are you? Yeah. Me too. Do you know why? I don't. It is our one-year anniversary of the show. Whoa. Yeah. So That's a long time. It is. It's been a really, really long time. And in that process, we've gained some members, some crew, mm-hmm. some crew members. Yep. Um, some of them unwillingly, but you know. Yeah. Some t- some of them we meloned. Yeah, we... Can you get my joke? Yeah. Yeah. Was it good? No. Okay. Sorry. I mean... but yeah no we've got a couple members and or not members i guess i'm gonna stop calling them members they're crew they're a crew they're part of the production well they did pay their membership fee so yeah that's true yeah they they do pay they do do a 50 50 split on everything we do so uh but anyways one of those guys is the spectacle with spectacles who are you dude Nick Carter Davian, how you doing? Nick, the hey, hey, quick. Hey, hey. Happy to be here. That's what the ladies call me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Look oh, at you. No. Oh yes. Nick, how, how long you how long you been with the show? I've been with the show since spring, I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Spring of this year. Yeah, spring of this year. When is spring again? That's in March, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> approximately a three month period. <laughs> Uh, yeah, within in like, a ballpark range, yeah, I'd say. ballpark range. Yeah, <laughs> it's sometime between winter and summer. Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah, you it's enjoyed been a it. While. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Enjoyed that spring and summertime with the show. Yeah, a lot of fun. We Going talked about winter. a lot of. Yeah, we talked about a lot of really good movies and movies that I wouldn't really watch mm-hmm. if we there, hadn't that, been talking about it. Yeah, that's something that I think that I've noticed with you is a lot of the times when I have you be my co-host on the show. You'll pick a f- somebody. The guest will pick a film, and you've literally never seen it. Before. Yeah, that happened with uh, Green Room and Swiss Army Man, right? Yeah, but Swiss Army Man was one that I really wanted to see. Ah, okay. Green so Room, I had never heard of. Okay, well, yeah. it was a good episode. Sam was on that episode. Yeah, Sam was on both episodes. The yeah. Swiss Army. Sam's Sam is a friend fun. of the show. The local celebrity, Sam Fairby. Everyone, very, very, very good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we uh, we have a another crew member that's here. Um, Wait, he kind of just what? Yeah, dude where yeah oh he went missing for like a month and it was really scary Hmm. and uh we weren't sure if we were going to see him for another year but uh he's back and ready to attack it is the bald and the bearded who are you dude matt herring and for the first time it's good to be back (laughs) we all just blew out those mics that's can i make a pitch Yes, you can. Since Matt went away and came back, I'm going to call him the sequel. So can he be the too bald, too bearded? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. pretty so good. good. Yeah. Pretty good. That's nice. good, too, because it's got a movie reference in there, too. Yeah, it does. That's pretty good. The Fast and the Furious Matt Matt Herringness. I don't know. I was trying to do the same thing. It didn't work out. <laughs> no, t- too bald, too bearded is too good. Okay. Hey. Well, no, okay. yours is better, but that's all right. Um, but for the listeners, Matt uh, has only been gone, like, I think... A month and a half or two months. <laughs> um, 
two to three months. If you're listening to us right now um, and you're a new listener and you're just tuning in to listen to us talk about uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers, you're in luck. We are going to do that. Uh, it's just going to be a little bit of a funner episode than usual. Funner isn't a word, but hey, let's have fun with that playing with the word that is made up is that can we do that Corey? i think so okay we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it okay some background here this film we're doing the sequel uh to fellowship of the ring middle of the series Mm -hmm. of the ring trilogy the one ring trilogy is that what it's called uh I mean, somebody else sort of. I think it's just called the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But okay, yeah, the the trilogy is called Lord of the Rings because there's no single book. Called I thought it was Lord called the, the One yeah. Ring trilogy. I mean, I'm sure someone has called it that at some yeah, point. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we chose this film as a group because uh, our first episode of the show, Corey and myself's first episode that we recorded was. Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, and I must say, it's our best episode by far. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably the worst episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there was no structure, and there was a lot of swearing in it, and the editing is atrocious. We've come a long way. We've got new fancy, shiny equipment, and we're recording in a better space now. So that's always good. And it was like two and a half hours, two hours long? It was an hour it long. Was, it, it was, was a, No, it was more than that. No, it was an hour, six minutes, buddy. Was it really? It just yeah, felt man. like seven you hours. Talked, <laughs> you talked about the movie for maybe five minutes. Exactly. That, so. yeah. But that's the thing. It's like this episode, we're going to talk about the movie a little bit more mm-hmm. um, than the first time because we did debate just, just redoing uh, the Fellowship of the Ring again. That's right. That would have been a great idea. <laughs> That would have been good for Nick to know because Nick ended up watching that one because on our Facebook chats, he got a little bit mixed up. So, But good news, everyone. Uh, Nick has actually seen The Two Towers, so it won't be that big of a deal. We're um, good. We, we discussed it. And he read the plot synopsis one more time just to be safe. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to get mm, things in movies confused. I didn't want to talk about things from Return of the King. But if you are a fan uh, of this show and you're just kind of hanging out and stopping by again to have a listen to us chant and bant into your earlobes um we are going to have a little bit of a uh, creator's cre- we are going to have a little bit of a creator's corner at the end of the episode for about five or ten minutes we're not entirely sure yet and it's going to be completely up to brendan in the uh in the editing room <laughs> so future brendan shout out um uh and we're just going to talk about kind of like where we kind of you know where we're kind of headed with the show and what we're going to be doing and some things we've learned, and who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out when it happens. But uh, before we get into the show at all, we're going to roll it right over to the plugs. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And Corey, where can they find you? They can also find me on Twitter at Corey McEwen one Because you number one, boy. Boy. And Nick. They can also find you on Twitter, can't they? They can, yes. I am at Nick Carter D. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-R-T-E-R-D. And it's the same on Instagram. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. And, uh, hey, Matt. Yeah, Nick. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt Herring Live. That's live or live. They're both spelled the same way. If you want to follow the show, you can follow the show on Twitter at The Real Rant Pod. If you are a fan, filmmaker, or creator, we'd love to hear from you. Especially if you are a filmmaker or a creator out there. We have worked with you guys before and we want to keep doing it. It's been a lot of fun, wouldn't you say, crew? Definitely. On DP. Oodles of fun. <laughs> If you want to send the show an email, you can send us an email at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all juicy, just the same. And everything I said about you being a fan, a filmmaker, or a creator, 
go ahead and do all those things that we said about the Twitter account. Sound good, boys? Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can do so at the Real Rant, all one word, where you can find behind-the-scenes photos of what's going on in our lives when we're in front of the microphone and sometimes when we're not. And if you're feeling real jazzy, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and you can also give us a five-star review on whatever listening platform you're listening to us on right now. Because, hey, it helps the show out, and why not? And last but certainly not least, you can head over to our website at therealrant.com because, hey, we own that domain. And you can find all the links to all of the things that I have just said up in the top left-hand corner of the homepage. Next time on The Real Rant, we'll be discussing... Jeremy Saulnier's film, Hold the Dark. Hey, boys, what time is it? What What time time is it? it? It's time for the film of the week. (laughs) The film of the week. (laughs) The film of the week. (laughs) Give me the magic sword. Okay. Okay. That was so awesome. So the film of the week this week is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And as we said at the top of the episode, this is our one-year anniversary of the show. Happy anniversary, everyone. Happy, Happy anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a fun year. So usually we like to ask our guests, because we have a special guest on every single episode of our show. Um, as of this week, we do not. So it's just the whole crew, because it's a very special day for us. We usually ask the guest, why did they pick this film? We already kind of know why we picked this film. It's because it's a sequel to the first film we did on the show. So instead, let's go around the room and kind of say, when was the first time you guys saw this film? And I guess maybe why might be a good one. So, Corey, let's start with you. Sure. My dad has always been a real big Lord of the Rings fan. That's right. You said that um, on the first episode of the show. Yeah. 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 So he, he read the book many times back in the 70s. Yeah. Um, he looks so, like a guy that would read the book back in the 70s. Oh, for sure. Or a book, for that matter. Uh, actually, look like if you met him, you probably wouldn't think that guy can read. But, oh, now, oh, now he can you, read. Now you'd think that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, love you, Alan. <laughs> yeah. I love you, Dad. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, he was very excited to take me to... Go see the first film when it came out in theaters. Yeah. Um, loved it. Yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, as the movies came out, we went to go see them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, so I the first time I saw it was probably in theaters the first week it was out. Yeah. And you actually own every single copy of the extended editions. That's correct. And you got them for $8 each at a Salvation Army. $8 altogether, I think. $8 altogether? I think so. That's insane. Yeah. It was a real good deal. And Nick, uh, when was the first time you watched this film and why, I guess? Not even this film, I guess, just the series in itself. Yeah, I think it was around 10 or 11 years ago Yeah, uh, when I first watched them. And I watched them because I was always really interested in them. And um, my brother got to watch one of the movies with Suri and McKellen. And so I nobody realized, was whoa, asking whoa, whoa. nobody what? was asking about that, Nick. So which, I had which to bring film, it up. Nick? Uh, it was Return of the King. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm was... just finding this out right now. Yeah, Corey <laughs> is an absolute liar. We found out about this earlier. Oh, I mean, I had to drop it in on the podcast at some point. You, you that, did have to. Yeah, that is one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it because my brother was talking about you know such a big deal. Mm. I was like, what are you? Did your brother about? read the books when he was a kid? Or? Uh, yeah, my brother used to be a really big, really, really big into like fantasy literature and okay. things like that. He's still really into it. He doesn't read as as much, but like he started playing D and D because okay. he realized that Lord of the Rings was essentially just one big D and D campaign. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, D and D was written uh, or was largely inspired by Lord of the Rings to reflect it. Oh, I could, you can tell, you yeah, for oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and so my brother really liked them, and so I wanted to check them out. And I I tried reading Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. 
but it's quite difficult. It's a hard read. The beginning I found I I just got too busy to finish it, but the beginning was really hard because it was like a textbook. Yeah, Tolkien has this kind of obsession over writing about every little detail like Corey was talking about one time when yeah. we were kind of like off in our own, like when we were, you know, not recording anything, um, talking about how they'd like talk about like, the blades of grass. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a part where Sam and Frodo are going through kind of like a little bit of forest, and I I swear to God, there's two pages describing how the grass flows in the wind and how some of it's kind of a, a lighter brown, but some of it's a little bit green. And you're like, just all right, get on with it. Well, <laughs> the thing about this world is because Tolkien's written so much and in so many details, there's zero plot holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like s- scholars have looked at it and there are, um, you took the class, right? I took Matt? the class. Yeah. yeah. And scholars have looked at it and there are zero plot holes throughout it. Is I that mean, correct? I mean, uh, I I can't I can't attest to that, but I definitely don't know any plot I, holes. I, I read. I mean, there's about the that. eagles argument, but I think we'll probably get into that later. No, because the eye would see the eagles. Oh yeah, in in the books it gets into that, but we can cover that in yeah, like in the, discussion, the yeah. actual discussion. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Matt, why and when did you watch this film for the first time? Uh. So I actually don't have or the a series. Me- I guess I should. Yeah, say. Yeah, I don't so. have a memory of this film specifically. Okay. Uh, but for the Return of the King, uh, I had I had seen them by that point. I was pulled out of a school recital by a friend's mom to come see this for the midnight release, like to get us in line to, to make sure we were all there. Oh my goodness! Uh, and that was the first time where I kind of looked at like a movie and was like, "Oh, this is like a big." deal to some people yeah <laughs> and, you know, people were like there in costume and yeah. were like lining up hours upon hours ahead of a movie when i was a kid i guess i'm gonna snowball off of what you were saying because mine's kind of similarly related um i watched uh i think i watched the first one just because i saw a trailer for it when i was like a kid and my parents used to take me to the video store when i was a kid a lot um and i remember watching a trailer for the film and then seeing it on one of the racks and being like oh i don't watch that And then when I rented it, it was a long film, obviously. The first Fellowship of the Ring, it's like two and a half hours or whatever. So I remember getting bored when I was a kid and left the room. And all I wanted to know when I came back was like if Legolas had died. (laughs) Because I thought (laughs) Legolas was the coolest. But since then, I've like followed the series and I'm... I haven't read the books or anything like that, so I'm not an Uber fan, but I really, really like the world middle of Middle-earth, um, <clears throat> and it's similar to the fact that like I hung out around a lot of people that, like Matt, I guess, to some extent, that really kind of liked you know Lord of the Rings and the fantasy world and stuff like that. I think I would say now I'm more, I know more and am fascinated more with the mind of Tolkien himself, just because he's just such an interesting person. Like he's invented mm. languages essentially, yeah. Um, and he did that with his sister too when he was a kid, which is quite fascinating. Um, and his love life was actually quite interesting as well. He's a bit of a. Did he get around? No, he he loved just one person his entire life. Oh, so and it's really kind of a beautiful story. And I'd re- I'd I'd recommend if you're a listener to get into that, um, and go out and look for that. Is that story. the inspiration for like Aragorn and Arwen? I cannot say yes or no, but I wouldn't see how it couldn't, um, because mm. it's a similar situation in the sense that like his story is basically like Tolkien met a girl and she was older than him, and they couldn't like be. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's exactly. It what sounds pretty similar. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's really cool, crew. Is there anything more we want to say, or can we roll it over to Tom with the synopsis? Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's Tom Rhombus here. As per usual, I'm not here to cause a ruckus, but I am here to read a synopsis. All right, 
Here we go. With the Fellowship now separated, the three parties continue their journey to destroy the ring. Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli arrive in Rohan to find King Theoden's mind poisoned by an agent of Saruman. While Frodo and Sam continue their journey to Mount Doom, accompanied by the creature Gollum, Aragorn and the others lead the people of Rohan to Helm's Deep in a last-ditched effort to repel the Urukai army. The Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. All right, thanks, Tom. So Matt suggested that we should start off this conversation talking about the eagles, like we had just kind of spoken about, and kind of like because you had said there was a plot, there wasn't any plot holes, and I yep. mentioned the eagle thing. And honestly, that's a common conversation that we have yeah. a lot about the series, like me and other friends that I have as well. So, so it, what about the eagles? Well, it's just more. Hole? It's just more like why didn't they take the eagles? And then I realized that. Gandalf says, fly, you fools. So that's an insinuation to going to get the eagles. Yeah. Like, why didn't they take the eagles to Mordor? I can actually cover this one if that's cool. Please, 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 please. Um, So, A, yeah, there's the fan theory of fly, you fools, which, I mean, would make sense if you followed their trajectory of where they were going um, and the direction of the eagles. However, in the books, as much as it's been a while since I've read them, I believe it references at some point that the eagles don't want to go uh, fly over Mordor because of the Nazgul. They don't really want to deal with that because they would be attacked and they only come when victory is more assured. Okay. Um, But it also isn't a huge plot point that they, that Frodo was one of the, the best people to do it was because hobbits could sneak as well and they needed to go without if we're going insane. by D&D references, yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but not necessarily D&D references, but also in The Hobbit, like Bilbo gets chosen because mm-hmm. hobbits can sneak past, right? And so isn't it similar with Frodo? Uh, I think he gets chosen by accident. Like, I don't think it's Well, he volunteers. As tribute, yeah. yeah. I think with Frodo, it's more about his, I don't know, quote-unquote, purity of heart. Uh, Bilbo is definitely chosen because hobbits make great thieves. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Frodo, I think it comes down to like Gandalf was all convinced that through him the ring would do great evil. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And for whatever reason, he didn't seem to have quite the same concerns with Frodo. Maybe that's because Gandalf going evil is a big deal, and Frodo going evil isn't that big of a deal. That's true. Just step on him. Yeah. I I mean, I would say if you're going to take a bet, you'd take it on the Bagginses. Do you know what I mean? Because like that's what happened with you know Bilbo, right? He had the ring all this time. Yeah, sure, he went a little crazy, tried to bite off Frodo's head, trying to grab the ring back. But uh-huh. at the end of the day, um, I definitely feel that it would come down to like betting on the smaller guy to do the job. And I think that's why this this show, this film, is such a good film because it's 
are these these films in total. Um, and we're going to jump around talking about them all, but the focus of today's episode will be um, The Two Towers is is the underdog tale. Do you know what I mean? It's the story of the little guy kind of getting beating and defeating everybody. I mean, as a team, but like the true story isn't, you know, anything to do with Aragorn or anything like that. It's it's the journey from, you know, the Shire to Mount Doom, right? And and the funniest thing about this is the fact that like you could literally just make a movie about the journey from the Shire to Mount Doom. You don't need to show any of the other side stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's awesome to show the side stuff because you want to know about the, all that stuff because everybody gets separated in the fellowship. But well, I think a Frodo or a Frodo, I think a movie just about Frodo and Sam, then their journey would be very dull. Well, yeah, no, that that's the point that I'm trying to get at here. Um, but the other thing is, is like, you know, um, the Hobbit book was just about the journey, right? Like, it's just about them, you know, going to. Um, go kill Smaug or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't any it wasn't anything more than that. Very simple. Yeah. Yeah, it was very simple. Just get from point A to point B. Yeah, exactly. Well like, they needed to take back their keep. The one off. That's right. Yeah. The one off the campaign. One off. <laughs> the one off campaign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was a good one off. So I'm gonna kinda of talk about this film in a reviewer context, um, but more of a reviewer context of like reviewing what my perspective of this film was from when I was a kid to now watching it as an adult. Um, I've oh, so you don't mean a reviewer. You mean a reviewer. Yeah. 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 So I'm playing on the words because we are not a review show. We are a film discussion show because um, we want to be different. And we're kind of cool that way. Um, the thing is, is I really don't like this one as much as I thought I did. <laughs> um, and I, I remember telling Corey and ever since we were kids that the second one is my favorite. Mm. And watching this again the other night, I was like, this is so boring. Like, I remember everything being a lot longer and the fight scenes being a lot longer. Like, I remember Helm's Deep being like a two-hour battle when I was a kid. It's literally like a half Half an hour. hour. Like, not even. And that was my favorite part of this movie when Mm -hmm. I was a kid was the Helm's Deep fight. Um, And the Riders of Rohan scenes. But Mm -hmm. that's not even that long, right? And then... And this film is technically it watching it again as adult it it is really the middle part of a saga. Do you know what I mean? And it's very easy to tell that. Like cuz there is a lot of lollygagging going on. Um I think the thing about this movie is the trilogy is similar to the three body paragraphs in a five paragraph essay. That's true. In the sense that it's supposed to be BCA. That's good, yeah, that's a good right? That's a good point. So I think and by BCA, for anyone who doesn't know, it's your second best idea, your worst idea, and your then your best idea to close it off and be happy. Yeah. Um, but I think this one is a lot of filler and a lot of setup, right? This one is where the Ents are introduced, which play yeah. a major role in Return of the King. And so I think, although this one isn't the best movie, it's completely necessary. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I would say, if anything, though, this one ha- with the extended edition pieces has the least important extended edition scenes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I would agree. beg to differ. Oh, oh really? But one scene specifically. I think the only reason is because of the Merry and Pippin stuff. I think another reason, too, that this movie seems to kind of draw on a little bit longer is that when you when you look at the first movie and the third movie, yeah. there's a lot more kind of like 
interesting weird stuff to do with like magic and creatures and stuff like that yeah where the second one it's very based just around yurikai and humans like there's not a lot of kind that's of true exploring that magical side of middle earth that's true which because, is quite a prominent thing because but, you do i don't know if you're going to bring this up in regards to the deleted scenes and that that have been added to the extended edition mm. but a lot of those extended edition scenes are conversations about man yeah. And versus, you know, evil, right? Sure. And um, kind of like Aragorn being kingly and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly. Right? Or uh, Faramir and Boromir scenes. Mm. Like the ones with his dad. That is the scene I'm talking about. Which yeah. Which I believe... That scene is an extra scene. Is a really pivotal scene, character-wise, I, for all those three characters. I would write an essay around that scene. Yeah. That's a great... That's a great um, scene. Yeah. And it's also to the scene where I found... Because I... I hate to say it, everybody who's listening and crew, but I think watching this again, I was just like, I was just, because I knew what happened, and I was just kind of like, I realized like halfway through the second disc of the special edition that I knew how everything was going to play out, and I was waiting for Helm's Deep to like get all those juicy notes to talk about in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one time where I kind of like stopped and maybe put my phone down to really pay attention to while taking notes was um, the scene between Faramir, Boromir, and then the father. Yeah. Because it's like, when you think about that in context to, for example, how the books were written, because I don't know if this scene was in the books. Um, I'm sure it probably, probably was, was yeah. if if he's going to talk about Blades of Grass for two pages. Um, <laughs> and if it was in the books, um, there's a lot you can break down out of this, like kind of the relationship of what disappointment in a fatherly figure looks like to a son, especially mm-hmm. maybe during the time period of when this was actually written. Yeah. Um, because that, I mean... I would definitely say that nowadays, I'm not saying that's not void, but like I think getting your parents' approval is, it's not as widely talked about anymore. Like people aren't focused on it, I feel like, as much. And if they are, they're not talking about it as much. Mm-hmm. Whereas like back in the day when you lived on a farm, it's like living up to the family name was a huge deal. Sure. And I feel like now it's, it's yeah, it's a big deal, but like... It's not necessary. Exactly. Really. We're yeah. focused on individuality aside, outside of our parents, right? We, we are more focused now on being an individual outside of the family name. Um, and I think that is just as important as trying to live up to the family name. You know, um, I, I definitely like to represent myself as a Mickey as best I can, mm-hmm. um, but I am my own person. Um, and that that whole scene really kind of like breaks down a, re- a really interesting dynamic that I don't really recall seeing a whole lot of in the entirety of the series. Yeah. Um, other than maybe some interactions between like Bilbo and Frodo. Sure. Um, and those even then are just like, those are just like relatives relationships because that's his uncle. Yeah. So, and Frodo just kind of like looks up to Bilbo. Not yeah. necessarily. Not as a father figure. No, but he's just like, this is, this is like an amazing hobbit who went off and did something so grand and yeah. you know spectacular. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think the the scene that's only in the extended edition uh, between uh, Boromir, Faramir, and Denethor is... <laughs> Such a weird... It's a weird name, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thanador, you said? Denethor. Denethor. It's like dinosaur. I'm going to name it after my friend Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or it's but like, it... you know, if you have a sore den, my Denethor. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Uh, it's important for uh, showing the corruptibility of men, mm-hmm. uh, because up until that point, I guess you have Theoden who you meet and he's already corrupted. But up and uh, up until then, the only quote unquote corrupting force is the ring. Yeah, sure. 
but the point of uh, humans in Lord of the Rings is that they are easily corrupted, not just by the ring, but by their very nature. Yeah. And Denethor is already clearly that ship has sailed for him. He is wants the ring. He wants it for power. He wants to destroy their enemies. He does not want to destroy it himself. Yeah, but here's the thing is the difference between what he just he just wants it for is power is different than actually wielding it because wielding the power of the one ring is different than wanting it because if you want it that means yeah you're probably really messed up and you're just power hungry but like having it is very different because you just turn out to like wanting to bite people's heads off like bilbo right like because you exhibit the power of the ring with, you know, no, no, uh, it being uh, but a part that's of what it. I mean. Like Frodo's it's, been carrying it for the length of a movie, which let's but say, he's corrupt more so. One could say by just having it. You're, no, you're no, talking no, no, about no, no, two no, different you, types you, uh, of corruption. No, no, that, that's exactly the point, though. Okay. It's that it's that humans can be corrupted just by the thought. Oh, okay, sorry, uh, I just heard just by the yeah. thought that it's even like that's even a possibility okay. on the horizon. It's mm-hmm. not even really there before them. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. and. Uh, even before the ring, I would argue these probably pretty far off the deep end. Yeah. Oh yeah, Denethor is gone. Yeah, he's yeah. a real dinosaur for sure. Yeah. Um, I would say, I would say to kind of like talk about what you were saying, um, a little bit is what this scene also does is it actually like shows a different side to Boromir. Yeah, exactly. Um, because Boromir in the fellowship was really kind of like the only context we got of him as a character. Um, and he's kind of a dick. He's the complete opposite of Eddard Stark pretty much. Yeah. At, yeah, exactly. At, le- at least from what's being portrayed in the fellowship of the ring. What's the name of the character who actually cuts off Sauron's fingers in like the, the, the prelogue? Yeah. yeah. Isildur. So they show that stuff in the beginning with Isildur being fully corrupted by it. And then later on in the movie, they have Boromir, showing the same tendencies yeah so you're thinking when you're watching that that it's just the power of the ring who's kind of corrupting him and drawing him towards it yeah but that scene in the two towers like you say really changes kind of the character of boromir yeah whereas he's not so much lusting over it for himself but he's doing it for the good of his people and like by order of his father that's true yeah because when we find him he's a bit of a barbarian viking type of guy yeah well it's like the breakfast club yeah right like we, exactly i don't know where you're going with this but yeah no but like boromir is the jock you know we see yeah, him exactly. as the popular jock and his brother's sitting in the lime or sitting behind his lime exactly yeah. yeah and then with this scene in the two towers we kind of get his real backstory yeah right yeah. and what he's actually like when faramir like is a little bit cooler than his brother because well, yeah because he he's he a ranger completely rejects the possibility of him actually just taking the ring and bringing it back to his father because he knows what that did to Boromir mm-hmm. and yeah. then he lets the hobbits continue on on the journey right yeah I think that's the coolest one of the coolest scenes in the whole film mm-hmm. is the part where Faramir just kind of is like nah you go and then Faramir's like kind of like captains is just kind of like what are you doing like you're going against your father's wishes and he's pretty much just like you know f- my dad yeah. <laughs> like yeah he needs doesn't know what's going on yeah. <laughs> like he's like if my dad's not here to fight this battle then i'm gonna do what i want man like my yeah. dad doesn't give two shits about who i am um i don't know yeah that uh, it's a really powerful scene that mm-hmm. whole thing of just like the rebellious nature of trying to like doing what's good over what like doing doing what is good for all as a doing what is good for you and your people mm-hmm. i guess which is like, why it confuses me why it wasn't in the original cut of the film 
What the scene be- with Boromir with, and Faramir? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it it is weird. Um, mm. and it is also weird too because of the fact that like Sean Bean, technically, if this was Bean, Scene Bean, sure. Scene Bean, but his name's really Sean Bean. Scene Bean. If he's not actually in, like, if the scene was cut, then he's technically not in the film. Yeah, that's right. Right. So I don't know. And everyone loves a bit of Boromir in their life too. Oh yeah. He's such a badass. He's so cool. I, I would almost say that even if this scene wasn't in the film, the Fellowship also still redeems his death regardless of the justification of what the scene gives us. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, sure. Because of because of the way... It still gives him an arc. And I would say that it gives him more of an arc than any of the other characters. Mm. Um, yeah. And you know what's funny, too? It, I mean, kind of going on a different note here, is when I was a kid, I was really surprised how little like amount of like the main character groups died. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, between Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn, like, none of the three died. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, I used to kind of... That used to be a bit of a complaint of mine. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, but then I think about it, and um, King Theoden's actually a fairly prominent death as well, if you think about it. I'm not a huge fan of Theoden, but that's just me, Mm. um, because I don't really understand the scene with Wormtongue and, like, the whole thing of him being all mind messed up what do you mean like like when they find him in the hall yep in the king's hall and everyone can clearly see that he's being captivated by worm tongue and they're still asking him for direction and stuff as king and you're just like why are you asking him for help if you know his answer is going to be just like super corrupt so can i say something to that i feel like the book could definitely say could definitely kind of like make this a little bit less complicated. I don't think you even just need the book for that. Like you just don't go against your king. Like that's treason. Um, See, here's the thing. Um, When your king is crazy and everyone knows it. Okay. But that's looking at it from an art generation thing. When that is not set in our generation, we don't have kings. We don't care about our king, right? He's just a figurehead right now. Well, we don't have a king. We've got a queen, but yeah. Sure, Same, shit. What you're Same shit. Same <laughs> shit. But like... I mean, not. Because well, so it doesn't really matter spoke out against him got exiled. Exactly. Yeah. No, even if you knew that he was corrupted, he was still your king. Yeah. I mean... Right? I, you don't I go think, against the king. I think my thing is this comes... What I was saying is you need the book is because this comes down to a visual versus an imaginative situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're reading in this in the book, you can interpret that. You can interpret why you wouldn't go against your king. But when you see it visually... And you look at it and you're like, okay, well, I can see that me as a person, it's hard to kind of separate your own individualistic perspective as a viewer to not see why isn't it, why isn't any other characters in the film justifying an action to go against the king. They did. Uh, A thousand good writers did. Uh, Yes, they did. I know what you're saying, but it took them, it took them, uh, the, the Aragon people to come in and actually make a difference though. Like... The writers of those Rohan guys, they all did. They, like, dicked off, right? Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I think my thing is just, why did it take so long? Well, the presumably the prince was alive and had some sort of influence at some point. And we come in just after the prince's death, so. Mm-hmm. That's true. I would have really have liked to actually have seen the prince in the film. Mm-hmm. You do. Dead. Yeah, you still see him. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I, think I like no, the... No, 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 no. Corey's right. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I like Theoden just because I like, for some reason, I like the 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 story arc of like a, a failing king. 
Yeah. Like like Stannis Baratheon, my favorite character in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I just love watching a king just fall. Just eat shit. You yeah. Know? The fallen. <laughs> I don't know why. It just gets me. <laughs> you love a king eating poop. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Might have to break that down, but you know, I mean, maybe not, a different day. not literally. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I would watch that. So. <laughs> Yo, if Theoden's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to munch some on poo. some... Li- I'm gonna... Hey, you guys keep talking, but I'm going to eat some shit here. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah, you go. I'm going to nibble on some horse poops. <laughs> cow pies. Yeah. Well, they don't have cows. That would have been funny, though, if somebody wrote a cow. Or if they're they just... Totally cows always cows. add humor. Getting back to the conversation about talking about deaths in the film um, and how they didn't really happen in regards to like the main core group of characters, mm. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that every character is kind of like really established. Um, yep. and, and that's difficult to say because... Well, no. like If we look at Boromir, you can just give him an archetype of like or caricature of like the jock. You know what I mean? Whereas all the other characters kind of have a lot more growing to do to kind of figure out who they are. And if not, I would say that their characters aren't actually flushed out really until the end of the film. And that's based solely on the dynamics that they kind of provide within the group that they are within the fellowship. Like, for instance, you know, Legless, you can tell, has lived for a really long time. So And so has Gimli. So his kind of life is really kind of a lot of fun. That's why they kind of like see battling and warring and things like that as like a game. So like they're always mm-hmm. counting how many guys they kill and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's so momentary in their life. Like these instances where they go in off to in a battle, though it is like the defining moment of whether or not evil will win, it is like really just another fight to them to some extent. And it's a lot like Thor from ragnarok like when he talks about you know hulk being his friend from work or whatever i actually have a big problem with the kill count in this film Uh, what do you mean like the kill count that they give yeah because in the first 20 seconds of the fight they're both up to 20 and by the end of the fight they're both up to 70 that fight went on for hours upon hours like 43 oh it's really only 43 no i think think legolas has 42 and gimli has 43 Okay, then they they spend the rest of the movie ju- or the rest of the fight just not killing people. Yeah, well, they yeah. do a lot the of running away. Off. Also, they, there were more than forty people on that on that ladder. That like, yeah, still only counts as one. Well, do you remember the part where he gets off the ladder and he says like, he basically kills. He's like, oh, I got one, and then Gimli says that, and then Legolas says, I'm on my seventeenth. It's like. That's the time when I would have said you've only been fighting for like twenty minutes. Like, yeah. yeah, but he's also been shooting arrows out into the crowd while Gimli had to wait for them all to show up. That's a good point. That's a good point. Mm. Um, yeah, and going back to the deaths again, I I think I think that's really the reason why a lot of the characters don't die is because they're so. I mean, there's if they died, it wouldn't really make an impact. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna kind of say like it would sound what, what would it do for the movies to have those characters be killed exactly off? like i think the reason why baromir died his death means more because we learn more about him later on because his family is so much a part of the series mm-hmm. right like his dad and his brother yeah and it kind of like inspires aragorn to continue fighting on for you know the sake of mankind exactly and, yeah. yeah nick yeah. you had a, a hand up yeah you put your hand up there like we're in a classroom um, well, I think another reason why people don't like the main people don't die in this movie is because like members of the fellowship, the mel- members of the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. Their characters need to be flushed out. Right. 
at first were presented with all of these stereotypes and tropes. Yeah. You are this, you are this, you are this, you are this, and you are this. Whereas the rest of the movie takes that and then expands it and says, no, they're they're not just that, right? Like right away, we are told Gimli and Legolas do not like each other. Yep. We yep. find that out right away. And then throughout it, they get over their differences and they come together, right? So I feel like the reason the main people from the Fellowship don't die is because the movie wants to break those tropes and break those stereotypes. Okay, well, then what's what's your argument then, I guess, for Boromir's death in the Fellowship? Because wouldn't you want to see that trope of the jock trope kind of like turn itself on its head? that would be nice. But then again... No, no, but wait. Okay. Like the second Breakfast Club. But... (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Guys, laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think it's to show... I think we needed the contrast of humans and how they could be corrupted, like you said, against Frodo and how he's less corrupted, or even Aragorn, who's not corrupted being around it, right? So I think we needed Boromir to be that sort of baseline around to see where everyone else is at. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think his death was necessary. This is terrible to say, but if you do just give Boromir the jock kind of like persona mm-hmm. and his dad is kind of like the person who's running the show and kind of like training the kids mm-hmm. and faramir is kind of like the weaker trained wrestling kid like brother or whatever so we got the jock it's like basically the, the coach and the bench warmer exactly yeah. but where you get like the jock you say like kind of gets like an acl or something broke or whatever and the bench warmer has to step yeah. up and this bench warmer has to step up injury. exactly yeah. basically and um can I throw in my two cents in this one? Go ahead. Throw I mean, maybe, three. Yeah, why not throw in a five because we don't have pennies in Canada anymore. Uh, true enough. Um, I'm just going to cut this diamond. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, my take is kind of two things. Uh, a, this one's not that relevant if you don't read the books, but Gandalf isn't supposed to interfere, but Hardcore does. Yes. It's like his role on the, on the plane of Middle Earth. And he kind of strategically sent out the word to who he wanted to have the ring or to who he wanted to be in the fellowship, not have mm-hmm. the ring. And then those people appeared. So he wasn't supposed to interfere, but he got a group of people who could get the job done. Do uh, you, could Would you argue then with that kind of idea that like Gandalf can see the future? Uh, all right, we're going to do this. So <laughs> uh, in the Silmarillion, Okay. Um, Corey, you, you want to a beer while this goes on? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. Hold on a second, because you've we should get probably preface that you've taken a course on all of this. Yeah, oh, I already said that. Okay. Well, I'm saying it again. Okay. Nick. Okay. Well. Uh, I'm going to do this as <laughs> as succinctly as I can. Uh, basically, there is a song that is the world, um, and the the issue is that uh, not Sauron. What would that be? Um, Morgoth. Uh, went off on his own and made up his own song and created the first quote-unquote evil thing because it wasn't in the song of creation. So Gandalf doesn't know the future, but he does know the song. Okay. So he just knows how things are supposed to be and how they're all supposed to fit together. Does he theory. know what the end of the song is then? F-sharp? There isn't necessarily an end. It's just the song of the world. It goes on. Okay. Um, but um, anyway, also anybody who's a really hardcore fan of the Silmarillion, I'm sure I messed it up in some way. Uh, don't at me. Um, second off, uh, I would argue that the Do fellowship, <laughs> uh, the fellowship, uh, survives in the way that it does because 
it's kind of the last act of the magic creatures of Middle Earth. The only characters who die and stay dead of the Fellowship are the humans. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm, and I'm not including Aragorn because he's one of the Dunedain Rangers, so technically he lives longer and what have you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it's kind of it's their last act to rid the world of the truest evil before they go to the Undying Lands forever. Yeah. yeah. Can somebody explain to me the Undying Lands? I, I really don't get that Undying. No, undying that sounds right up your alley, Matt. I'll do my best. Uh, the Undying Lands are essentially heaven. Um, okay. Is that where they go at the end of like the the fellowship, like when the when Frodo does the whole ring thing? I remember Corey. Yes, watched absolutely. The, first well, one. the ships are leaving for the Undying Lands. Okay, and what are the and so where does that go exactly? It's like heaven. Sorry, I was spoke too soon. You said the end of fellowship, not the end of fellowship. Um, the end of Return of the King. Yeah. Okay. So when they all when they all sail away on their their mystical silky boats, they're basically yeah going to heaven for like a blissful vacation yeah you know. is that where bilbo goes pretty much yes okay because bilbo gets on that ship right yeah ring bearers are allowed yeah cool cool huh okay that's interesting well in, in like an old version of uh of tolkien's notes this middle earth was supposed to eventually become earth okay and mm. like magical things left and eventually the whole place was supposed to become what it is now okay Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting that's so sad yeah well, well that, so i am so attracted to you right now why just, just right how now? much you know oh that's probably never been said in the history of time for this reason <laughs> <laughs> um but thank you uh cory you were gonna say something yeah so i got kind of just like a quick little question to throw at everyone here kind of going back to character deaths uh how do you guys feel about Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White being separate characters. Because I kind of feel like Gandalf the Grey dies, but then Gandalf the White is born. I'll answer the question. I okay. do think they are two different individuals. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to come down with the fact that um, their personalities are very different. I find that Gandalf the Grey is more of a kind of uh, rebellious type of young acting wizard. Like, he's old, obviously. He's old sure. looking. However, like, wizards all look old, despite the fact they're really, really, like, they could be really young. So, like, Gandalf the Grey, I feel like, is the rebellious bad boy of Mm -hmm. the wizards kind of bunch. Whereas Gandalf the White is kind of by, he's a bit rebellious, but he's a bit, he's got a rule book. Yeah, like, I come, I kind of almost... Like, McKellen plays the characters very differently. Sure. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, definitely. Like, even watching The Hobbit and comparing it to these movies like mm-hmm. you can see the difference in the way he portrays the character yeah so and i almost kind of feel like gandalf the gray is like who gandalf is but gandalf the white is more of like he's used as a vessel but like the intent of the gods is sent through him so it's not so much like he is another person but it's like he's kind of get what i'm saying here uh i do and you're actually 100 percent right oh cool yeah there you um go. Uh, in a way, they're not different people, mm-hmm. uh, but they do behave very differently. Yeah. And Gandalf the Grey did die and is dead. Yeah. Uh, the only the only reason I'm so adamant on that is that Gandalf the White is allowed to come and complete his task, but when that is done, he has to go to the Undying Lands. Mm-hmm. He's not allowed to stay the same way Gandalf the Grey was anymore. Yeah. So I have a question so wait, about uh, that. Yeah, okay. sorry, you might ask that same question. I think we're going to ask different questions. We're all learning things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I have a question about two white wizards. 
Yeah. Saruman the White sure. and Gandalf the White. Yeah. How do they exist at the same time? Because so, there's Radagast the Brown. Well, there's yeah. two blue wizards that exist at the same time. Isn't yes, there? Aren't there are there two, two, are there? two blue, two okay. blue wizards. They never come up in anywhere other than the Silmarillion in like one line. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, they can exist because Saruman the White basically isn't a white wizard anymore. Oh, because he's corrupted. Because he's corrupted. Yeah. Gotcha. A white what wizard kind of, is a what certain... kind of wizard is he then? Not uh, not one that was intended by Iluvatar. I don't know what a Louis Vuitton is, it's, but it sounds it's, good. It's gone. <laughs> it's got. It's a kind of bag, very expensive. Uh, yep. <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke for the kids. Um, my question is, my question is, I guess, because Matt, you're the all-seeing eye on this one. Looking at me, just throw all these out there. This is awful. I should not be the expert <laughs> on this, but that's okay. Uh, no, it's just more of a question in regards to. So, if they don't go, like, who's controlling them if they don't go to the Undying Lands, like? Gandalf does so Gandalf goes to the Undying Lands and Return of the King. Yeah. Okay, so what's stopping him from not going then? Well, uh Gandalf Jeebus? No, because he uh, does his fucking job. Yeah, Gandalf yeah. is a is a being of singular purpose. Oh, okay. Uh so he, he's a one off. He wouldn't go against what he's supposed to do. Um what's stopping the elves? Who's to say? Well, the elves go. Done, the elves you know? just kind of go because they don't want to do anything else. Yeah, anymore. and I guess Eowyn she stays, so they are allowed to. So the Undying Lands is like a retirement home for people that will never die. Yeah, <laughs> there's kind of a whole thing that I don't really understand. I'm really not the greatest expert to have with this. Table. That's okay. We'll move on. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. So, but it was all good insights, though. Thank you, Matt, for applying those. We don't really ask a lot of questions. Yeah, one thanks for asking our dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all didn't come to talk about or to listen to people talk about the movie because we're getting deep into the lore. We of are. I was just going to say, yeah, that's okay. Whatever. The lore of the race. <laughs> that's okay. It doesn't matter. But I'm gonna get. I'm gonna bring it back to the movie. So. So, okay. Neat. I I have a couple of notes uh, in here. Is who is Haldir and where did he come from? Because like I remember watching this film was a ki- when I was a kid and my friend Parker, who's been on the show before, he was on the episode of the Moonlight episode, and it was his favorite character. Is that the elf? That was the fat elf, the yeah, chunky that's, boy. That's Aragorn's friend from um, the big boy, who's who lives with uh, Galadriel. In, oh, in the woods. Yeah. Okay. And I apparently that. that- the actor is a big deal somewhere in Europe, I believe. Yeah, Sweden? he's from New Zealand. He's from New Zealand. Yeah, okay. that's the Sweden of like Australia. So yeah, <laughs> but no, he's a he's an interesting character because he just kind of shows up out of nowhere. Is that one of those intervening intervening type of situations by Gandalf, or was that Aragorn? Lord Elrond. Neither of them are. Uh, yeah, Lord Al- Lord Elrond sent him, who's well within his right to intervene. I love Lord Elrond. He's the best. Yeah, he's my favorite character. Oh, really? Is he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So we talk a lot about perspective in the show, and I remember saying that I was a huge fan of this this one when I was a kid. This was my favorite one. Now it is not really at all. Um, I definitely remember. I, I mixed up a lot of what happens in Return of the King and it, with what happens at the Two Towers. Like one of my favorite yeah. scenes is the scene where they light the beacon. Oh yeah, um, the lighting of the beacon and seeing kind of like the scale of how far the call can come for help. Um, but the one scene that I remember watching it as a kid in the Two Towers that really kind of hit me like really home, at home because I was just like, man, I can't imagine if I was in this situation, um, is a scene where they're getting ready for the attack on Helm's Deep um, and the part where um, they're going around arming every boy and man and stuff like that. Like That's who, such a good scene. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it almost seems like it's not really a part of the film. 
in a, in a way like it's almost it's almost like a weird kind of metaphor for like war and like how it doesn't really take any sort of age like it's just kind of like there's no discrimination to mm-hmm. to death and war like it doesn't matter how old or young you are doesn't really matter like especially if you're like at the end you know and you have to like fight it's like it doesn't matter how young you are yeah that's a good point i actually kind of forgot how heavy this movie gets at some points and watching it too now and you look at the kids in this film they're a lot younger they were my age when i watched this film like and that is why i think it affected me so much when i was a kid because when i watched this film and i saw the kids in this film i was like that kid is probably my age and he's wearing like full chainmail and armor. And I'm like, I would not want to fight these orcs. <laughs> like, it's just insane. Like, there's the one kid that Aragon meets, and his name is whatever. He says his name in the film. And Aragon's like, you know, can I see your sword? And he shows him his sword. It's a piece of shit sword. But he says it's a good sword. I don't know if you noticed that, but like yeah. the, oh, the yeah. sword he's holding oh, up yeah. is like rusted. And yeah. just bitter and looks like it's gonna break. That's a bargain bin sword for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um and then the and then to kind of like saying within the context of this discussion about this part of the film is the dialogue between Legolas and Aragon and how Legolas is kind of like speaking to him in Elvish to to Aragon about how he thinks it's like just ridiculous that Aragon is like going to go out and fight with these guys and knowingly be okay with dying. It's almost like Aragon has a death wish. And in a way, I don't know if anybody's noticed that, but like there are so many times where he like actively pursues the evil in a way that's just absolutely insane. Like in a way that an elf or a dwarf would do it. And they can live a lot longer than a Dunedain type of person can. Right. And like he's just he he volunteers three times to like go and die pretty much like oh yeah let's go out and fight on the battles together or whatever let's go race out and you know fight and then or like the part where he you know jumps onto the walkway and fights a bunch of orcs and um the other part where um well there's a line where he where he's talking to Legolas like you oh, said yeah, no, that scene where he literally says and I will die as one of them that's the yeah that's what I'm talking about it that that's the part that. I think really fleshes out Legolas as a character because Legolas, when you think about it, doesn't really have a whole lot to do in this film. But he's so pretty. He is really he's pretty. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how blue his eye was eyes were in this movie either. Oh, just go swimming in them. Hey? But I think it really kind of fleshes out the character of Legolas in this scene, where he really is kind of like super, like he's in love with Aragon at this point. Like almost you could say, like he loves him like a really good brother. Mm-hmm. They're like the best bros. It's yeah. weird because you... and that starts in the fellowship for sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah and yeah, yeah. and it's funny too though because you don't really see much of that like that caring for each other. It's just more of like a respective look in the subtext of the film. They, I think that this relationship has the most subtext in this film. I think their relation because it's very well fleshed out because they always talk to each other. Mm. He's always like, oh, you know, Legolas, what do you hear and. What do you smell, Aragon? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, what What does the rock say or some shit like that? I don't know. I just want to say something about Aragorn having a death wish. I don't think he has a death wish. I think he's just um, uh, lawful neutral in that he just is trying to get the job done. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's actively going out there and being like, I want to die. I think he's saying... 
I'm going to do whatever I can. He's like ignorantly heroic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really? That's yeah. That's my two cents. I see him. That's as my some, nickel. I see him as someone who really doesn't want to live as long as he wants to live, unless he's in the context of his lover. I think he sees his living a long time as a bit of a curse, because he's a man, in all tense of purposes, and one of very few living amongst men, rule meant to rule men, mm-hmm. like, and and I think the aspect of him wanting to die is him kind of trying to find some sort of solace in 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 maybe the possibility that he might not be immortal. Like he's he's trying to find a way to justify himself that he is just another man. And I think that's what Aragon always wanted is he never wanted to be special. I think he sees being special as a bit of a curse. That's why that's why I say he has a death wish, but it's okay. not the type of death wish you would think I'm trying to say. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Does anybody have any more points on that? Uh, well, I mean, I guess sure. As long as we're talking about the death wish, this movie really illustrates the fact that this is the last, the last stand against evil, hmm. like the last push. If they, if all else fail, if this fails, it all fails. Uh, which is obviously really proved in Helm's Deep, especially considering what we already know about Denethor. Um, but it's, of course, mirrored in the scene uh, with uh, Frodo and uh, Faramir, uh, where there's the moment where it all could fail. All Faramir has to do is reach out and take the ring, um, and the world of Middle-earth would fall, mm-hmm. just just like Helm's Deep. Yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 this relates to Arag- uh, Aragorn's death wish, because... Like, Legolas doesn't really have a dog in the fight, so to speak. No, that's what I was trying to refer to earlier, is the fact that, like, he really doesn't have much of a character in these films. He's just visually cool. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, he, he's an elf, and he's fighting amongst, like, a group of other people. Because all intents and purposes, like, elves don't really give a shit about any other race other than themselves. No, I mean, most of the races don't. That's true, but I'm like dwarves and elves particularly mm-hmm. are just kind of like we're our own people and elves are just super snobby whereas like whereas like dwarves are just arrogant. So, yeah, I like the snobby elves con- even the contrast within themselves between uh Rivendell and Lothlorien. Nice, yeah. Yeah, cuz the the Rivendell elves led by Elrond they are trying to help, you know, Elrond wants to rid the world of this ring. And mm-hmm. so he's essentially the reason that the group is together. As much as Gandalf sort of got everyone together, Elrond's the one who wants to have the meeting and tried to originally get rid of the ring and knew it's evil, right? Whereas the ones in Lothlorien who are led by... I guess it's probably Galadriel, but it's yeah, been a bit. But they're a lot snobbier. They're a lot more, we won't help you, right? And so I think there's a cool contrast in there as well, because the elves are even different within their race, hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. So finishing up here, Matt, what do you want to finish the show off with this week? Well, we can't talk about the two towers without talking about the ants. Okay. True. Yes, yeah, is true. Uh, and I'm sure we've all got a bit to say, so I'm just going to say my one gripe that I have with this. Okay. Uh, and I brought it up while I was watching the film with you guys. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's that one scene where Treebeard is talking about, um, oh, I don't know what happened to the Antwives. We've lost them. Um, and then he's like, hey, do you know where they are? And both M- Mary and Pippin are like, no, we don't know where the Antwives are. 
earlier in this very same movie, when they first get to the edge of the Fangorn Forest, um, Mary turns to Pippin and he says, uh, It's like that other forest where we're from, where people say the trees talk and move. And I'm just saying, from my perspective, if somebody was like, Hey, I can't find my wife. Have you ever heard of anything? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I tried to say it. I tried to avoid it as all I could. Uh, She's a tree. He's like, and he's like, I'm a talking tree. Do you you know any other talking trees? And they said nothing. Yeah, but that's just, you could chalk that up to just being Marin and Pippin. They are the, what are, what are they? I would, I would argue Marin. What kind of characters are they from Hamlet? What is the, what is this card? Oh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the, of the films. Like they're, they are aware of what's going on, but they're just kind of letting things happen to them. Like, like a perfect example of them to kind of like associate them to Shakespearean kind of like worldly. Here's a good, I f- freaking love Shakespeare. Anyways, um, this is my expertise. Uh, the part where th- at the end of the film in the extended edition, I think it's a part of is the part where um, after like the castle gets flooded and stuff, one of the towers gets flooded, Saruman's tower gets flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of like looking, they're like really hungry. They're talking about hung- how hungry they are. And then they find food and they continue to find food and then they find it like they find the stash. Um, That kind of like story arc type of character is very heavily attributed to the fool's character where um, the environment dictates their relationship to the story as opposed to like uh, they don't act. They react. They're very much the type of archetype that kind of just... But I guess that doesn't really help in your justification because it's no, like... Uh, I would just say that uh, I agree on the Pippin front, but I disagree with Mary. Because uh, you find Mary to be a bit of a... Well, no, of a particularly smart. in this film, uh, Mary goes out of his way to convince the Treants to go back on their decision not to interfere. That's true. But okay. uh, Pippin is definitely the fool of the whole uh, Lord of the Rings Pippin is the franchise. guy from Lost, right? Uh, no, other way around. Mary's the one from Lost. Lost is the guy from Pippin? That's right. (laughs) I'm lost. (laughs) And with that, I think that brings us to the end of our one-year anniversary episode discussion of Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. How do you think we did, Corey? Terrific. And how do you think we've done in the last year? We've gotten better. (laughs) This is very true. We have gotten better. We are not amazing, nor are we great, but we are some people in a room talking on some microphones (laughs) if we could sum it all up at the end of the day uh nick how do you think we did i think we did great and how do you think we've done since spring since you've been on the show the show even since then there's been improvement yeah i think it's cool because you can hear that we're constantly trying to improve yeah and constantly working on things and i'm really happy with that yeah and it's cool to just sit around and Hang out with some buds and talk about movies. For sure, man. For sure. And Matt. Yeah, Brennan? The two balded, two bearded man. Yeah. What? What do you... Balded the white. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think we did? Uh, I mean, it was no Silmaril, but I think we did pretty good. Yeah. Oh, Oh, man. I think I should get these Lord of the Rings references in while I can. (laughs) For sure. And how do you think we've done since you've been on since basically last winter? I mean, I think every moment I'm on is an improvement. uh... (laughs) An improvement in yourself? Or what is that implying? Yes. In all things. (laughs) Okay, that's deep and very broad, too, at the same time. I'm like Gandalf like that. Yeah, I I trust that. You have a beard. 
But you don't have long flowing locks like he does. Gandalf the bald, what can I say? <laughs> As for me, I think we did really awesome, and I too think we are improving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a long road ahead, I think. We are not done with this show. We've got a lot more anniversaries to come. As long as we have the domain and the website, we will still make this show. Um, which means, basically, we can't run out of money. Uh, and we won't, because it's actually a pretty good price to get the website up and down all the time. Up and down. What do I mean by that? <laughs> doesn't I even matter. don't know. <laughs> we do need to keep going for at least another four years, though, so we can do Return of the King, The Hobbit, The Hobbit 2, The Hobbit 3. That's and I mean, and there's that whole Amazon series coming out, and we could do that oh episodically or by season. And then we'll have to branch out, start doing video games. And, oh my god, man, that'd be good! Look yeah. at that. Well, the two I guess towers and Return of the King. We'll like, get into that. Games. Those are yeah. so this world. And let's move it over to the arbitrary review segment of the show. This is the part of the show where we give an arbitrary review of the film that we had just watched for this episode. Because we like to say that we are film discussers, not film reviewers. So, Corey, what would you give this film in your arbitrary review? My arbitrary review of this film would be one broken toe after kicking a helmet in frustration. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. Thank you. It sounds like a good film. We should watch it. Uh, Nick, what would you give it? I would give this film one corrupted king. And Matt, what would you give this film? I would give this film one ring out of 19 rings of power. That's pretty good. Hey, Brennan. Hey, Corey. What would you give this film for your arbitrary review? I would give this some Lutimus bread, or however you say that. <laughs> Lambus bread. Lambus bread. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'd give, I'd give this some, some Christmas bread. But, uh, yeah. Like, Lutimus have it. Some lamb's wool bread. I would give it some Lumnus. Lumnus bread. Lumnus. Give it some Tumnus Limbus. bread. Limbus 2000. Limbus. That's nim- also not right. This Nimbus is Lumbus. 2000. Lumbus, 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 Lumbus. And with that... This is heresy of nerddom. Let's roll it over to Creator's Corner and just talk about a few things before we end the episode. So if you're a fan, you're probably going to want to listen to this part. But if you're not, hey, we want you to come back if you're a new listener because we always want new people listening to the show. You're you're amazing. And uh, thanks for being with us this week. So we've been on a long road on this show in the last year. As I said at the top of the episode, we... We have gotten to meet some pretty cool people like Nick Hodges from History Buffs or Stephen Campanelli, uh, director of Indian Horse, and the also the filmmaker, um, camera operator guy for films like A Star is Born, which is oh. one of the new films out, and uh, Clint Eastwood's new, next film coming out called The Mule, and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, just another one. So, And he's made so many, many more I mean, he's a great, great director. And uh, Paul Schulberg, which is the good Catholic film on Netflix, is a great film. And we've worked with Pegasus Pictures, which is the people that produced that film, um, a good Catholic. Um, and we're looking to work with a few more. And Sean Hartofelis. We can't for- forget about him uh, with his film, Beach Pillows. But yeah, like I said, we we look forward to doing some more featured episodes down the line. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of ups and downs in the show behind the scenes. Um, I remember a while back we talked about kind of producing some more shows. We're definitely working towards that. Um, we're taking it a little bit slower than we said we were going to in the beginning, and that has to do with a lot like uh, the fact that I just said we're learning a lot about kind of building... I don't know. What are we building, boys? I don't know what we're going to call this. Something. We're building something creative for fun. An arc. Yeah. And we're um, really looking towards making sure that we put out quality rather than quantity. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and so if we tried to put out... 
a new show when we did, it would have been very rushed. Yeah. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Sure. yeah. I mean, it's taken us a year to get this far with just the one show. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done really well with, I think, this show in under a year, too, with all those interviews that I said. Definitely. That just came out of us basically talking and connecting with people over, like, Twitter and Instagram. Like, that, that really just came from us just seeing people's work and being like, okay, we could have this on the show. You know what I mean? And and it's worked out really well. And I, I think uh, I think having you two, both Nick and Matt, have been a really good addition to the crew. And it's been really, really fun getting getting this moving. And, and it's exciting to see where we're going. But yeah, we're if you are a fan, just to let you know, we are working on more stuff and working towards kind of like building the platform. Um, and I don't know. We're excited. Yeah, and of course we couldn't have gotten nearly this far without you, absolutely, the, fans, the mm-hmm. listeners. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. Is there anything more you guys want to say? I, I've kind of said my two cents, but it's nice knowing that people want to listen. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think without you guys, the listeners, like Matt had said, I don't think we would have gotten this far yet. But it is really a consistent show where people just kind of come and go, and that's what we really like with this show. I think. I think the fact is, is we built the show around. Um, having people come and listen to the show um, when they want to. Um, I've had a lot of people message me directly talking about the show in the sense of it kind of being, um, you kind of just step into the conversation. You feel like you're a part of it. It's like a bunch of friends sitting around a room having a conversation. You're kind of just there with us. And that's what we really want with this show. We aim to kind of bring up new ideas and new, you know, theses which is a pretty prominent word on this show um to kind of like open up our minds and kind of like build on perspectives and hear other people's perspectives because that's the most important thing about this show is it's built around our guests um despite the fact that we don't really have one this week but yeah the show is built around a guest and we and we really value the perspectives out there and the guest provides that every week and this week that's you guys yeah, because it was this show really wouldn't be where it is now without you two joining the show as well. Corey and I uh, started it in a basement, and we're still starting it in a basement. <laughs> and I think with that, let's bring it to a close, Corey, with our first and last first year anniversary of the show. Man, it went by so quick. It did. It went by so quick. It really did. It was weird. Yeah, I actually sound a little bit younger in our in our in our first recording. Yeah, roughly a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. That's so bad. But uh Corey, is there one last word you'd like to say before we close the show out this week? And Nick. Thanks. And Matt. Iluvatar. And scene. <laughs>